We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Hey, we're in a new series called Under New Management. We are in a new building. We are, this building, this physical location that we're in is under new management. In in 2022, we want to start off 2022 under new management. We don't want to go through the motions and try to do things on our own. We're not trying to literally do all the heavy lifting all by ourselves because Christ says, I have come to, to give you life and life to the full. Our life is not supposed to be burdened with, with, with tasks and, and, and all these things that we try to put on ourselves. Our, our life is not even supposed to be burdened with the tax of, uh, the, the, the task of religiosity. I don't know if you know this, but, uh, religion is very task oriented, but relationship is faith oriented and it's connection oriented. And what we want to do is start off 2022 under new management with our faith, with our life and say, God, listen, I try to do it by myself in years past. In fact, I posted this on Twitter the other day. Yes, I, I'm on Twitter. Follow me. Uh, hashtag at I am Um But on Twitter, I posted, I said 2020 and 2021 was all about learning. You learned. You discovered so much in 2020 and 2021, and you learned so much about yourself, and you learned so much about culture, and you learned so much about people. 2022 is all about implementation. It's all about implementation. It's about taking what you've learned and saying, you know what, I'm going to put this to good use. And last week, we opened up this new series under new management talking about how 2021 kind of felt like 2020 with lipstick on. It felt like 2021 with makeup on. And what we don't want is 2022 to be a year that is just like putting lipstick on a pig. We want to let go of the hangups of the past. We want to let go of the frustrations of the past. We want to let go of the things that held us back from becoming the whole people that God has called us to be. And, and in our faith journey, you may sit there and you say, man, I'm, I'm already whole. I'm already good. Can I tell you that with God, there's always more. There's always room for growth. There's always more to discover. And we've been saying this a lot of time around Relevant Church. With, with Christ, his mercies are new every, every morning. So we're saying God transformed my life in 2022. I don't want my old faith. You know, the faith of 2021, that was okay, but I know it can be greater in 2022. We're trying to go into 22 and say, God, I, I want more for my body. Uh, the body that I had in 2021 was all right, but in 2022, I want it to be greater. And what we talked about is it all begins with our faith. Everything that we do in life, everything that we consider valuable in life, all begins with faith. I've got to have faith to know that the chair that I'm sitting on right now is going to keep me up. I got to have faith in the car that I'm driving that it's going to keep me going. But there's no greater faith than we can have than in Jesus Christ. And in 2022, if we put Christ first, if we put our focus on Christ first, then transformation happens. So if we're going to put our faith in Christ and our focus on Christ, we will truly, truly see 
transformation take place in our life. So let me pray. We're going to be in Philippians 3. While I'm praying, if you want to scroll to there, flip to there, if you're watching online, you're going to be able to see the verses online as well too. So let me pray as we dive into this message. God, I thank you for gathering all of us wherever we're watching from, whether we're in Africa, whether we're in Asia, whether we're in Mexico, whether we're in the U.S., Lord. Thank you for giving us the platform of technology, Lord, to be able to connect with your word personally and intimately. Speak to us in the only way you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in Philippians chapter 3, the writer of this scripture is a guy named Paul. He used to be called Saul. His name was actually changed because when his name was Saul, he used to literally ravage the church. What does that mean? He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He hated everything to do with the way of Christ. And he was trying to destroy it. He was trying to snuff it out. And then he has this radical experience with Jesus Christ. And with Jesus, everything changes. So listen, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to get a point across. That with Jesus, everything changes. And so his whole life is flipped upside down and he begins to plant churches all over. And Philippians is a letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi. This church that he had planted, that he had left a pastor over, kind of a campus pastor that we would we would say in this day and age. And, and what he would do, because back in the day we didn't have video, he didn't have video, so he couldn't, I said we didn't have video like I was back in the day. Well, back in my day we had big old camcorders. Y'all remember those? Those taking you way back. But anyhow, they didn't have video. They didn't have podcasts. What they used to do is they used to write letters. Remember actually writing a letter to your pen pal when you were younger? Writing letter to friends, maybe your family members overseas, and you had to write a letter to them. They didn't have cell phones, so that's how he communicated with his church, and he loves his church. The church in Philippi is actually a church that he celebrates and he loves because of the faith. And in Philippians chapter 3, this is how he opens up. He says, I thank God. God in my remembrance of you. He's like, man, every time I think about you guys, you guys are so faithful. Every time I think about how you guys heard the gospel, you guys just gravitated to it and you jumped on it and you started following Jesus and following him with so much passion. And then he begins to encourage them. And he says this text, he says, I'm sure that the God who started a good work in you will be sure to complete it in the day of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's letting them know, like, listen, don't grow weary in doing good. And maybe some of you guys need to hear that right now. Maybe you're coming into 2022 thinking, man, I don't know if I can still keep the heavy lifting that I did in 2021. And can I tell you right now, don't grow weary in doing good. Like Paul said to his church, I want to say this to you, church, as a father in ministry, as a pastor, I want to say the good work that God has begun in you, I am sure that he is going to complete in the day of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So keep going. Then he starts to give them some faith building reminders. He says, man, I want you to have the same mind in you that is the same mind that is in Christ. That though he was in the form of godliness, even though Christ was next to God, he did not think of himself so highly that he wouldn't serve other people. And I pray in 2022 that we have a team of servants who are part of Relevant Church. I'm a servant. You can be a servant. We can serve each other. In fact, one of our culture codes is Serving each other is how we roll. 
He's like, listen, don't think of yourself so highly. Think of other people. Look out for other people. That's why I love being in church on Sundays because I get to see our dream team serving our guests, serving each other. Why? Because serving each other is how we roll. I love our dream team who's online right now. They're serving you. They're engaging with you. So if you're online, say what's up to the dream team. Give them a big shot. Let's give a hand clap for the dream team. Dream team, let them know that you're there. Our digital dream team is there to serve you. If you want prayer requests, if you want to get connected with the church, if you just want to connect with somebody, our dream team is there to serve you. And that's what Paul is telling them. He says, man, have that same mind in you that was in Jesus Christ. Serve each other. Then he tells them, hey, hey, don't get caught up in distractions. A lot of distractions are going to come your way. There's going to be people who are going to try to distract you. And, and I want you guys to stay focused. I want you guys to keep your mind on Christ. I want you to stay focused on Christ. Because, listen, if you're not tempted by uh, distractions as a Christian, then you're either lying or I don't believe your faith walk. Because as a believer, distractions will come your way. And you may be one of those highfalutin believers like, well, you know, I'm good. I'm secure in God and I'm, I'm good. I don't get distracted by that stuff. You're a liar. Listen, I get distracted by food. Listen, I want to have some quiet time with the Lord. My stomach starts bubbling. I'm like, man, I want to go get something to eat real quick. Distractions will come your way. Listen, Jesus was tempted by distractions. Remember? Before he started his ministry, he goes up and he, he fasts and the enemy comes to him and tries to distract him with food. And then he tries to di- distract him with wealth and power. And, and Jesus is like, man, I don't need that. I'm keeping my focus on God. And, and that's what Paul is telling this church. He's like, man, listen, so many people are going to come and try to distract you boasting about their life of religiosity. They're going to say that my faith is so strong and my faith is so deep and you should be like me. Paul said, man, like, listen, don't listen to those. You can have a faith of your own. You can be in the word of God. God can speak to you yourself. He tells them, listen. If there's anybody who needs to boast, let me tell you about myself. And that's funny to me because he's telling them, like, listen, there's going to be people who are going to start boasting. But if there is somebody who actually deserves to boast, I'll boast. And then he gives them his resume of just his faithfulness in God. He gives them his resume of the, 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 the political clout and the religious clout that he comes from. Uh, Paul was actually somebody who was revered in the church of the past. He was somebody who people looked at and wanted to be like. Remember, when he was persecuting Christians, people used to look at him and say, man, this guy has such zeal for God because he thought he was doing it for God's sake. And he thought he was living righteously. But what he didn't know that he was coming against the church of Jesus Christ. And so he's like, listen, I was overzealous. I was prideful. I had all the power in the world. I was uh, I had all of these things. And he goes this laundry list of a person who can be so he's like, listen, if anybody deserves to boast, it's me. I could boast. And then in verse seven, it shifts. There's a plot twist. There's a shift in the story. And this is what it says. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of the of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered 
the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Remember, it begins with faith. If you want to have an amazing 2022, it's going to begin with faith. If you want to have a relationship with God, it's going to have to begin with faith. The plot twist, he says, man, I count it all as loss. It's easy to remember the good old days. I don't know about you, but you can remember when your body was a little tighter, when you were a little bit more athletic, when you were a little bit more popular, when the career was really booming and maybe you're at retirement age right now and you're seeing all of these young people come up and you're like, you don't even understand how I was in my career. And it's easy to look back. And what he says is like, I count it all as loss. He's like, I count it all as nothing. It, it's meaningless. It's rubbish. I love that word. My, my parents come from British English. And so rubbish was a common word in our house. And he's like, I count it all as rubbish. He says, not only did I lose it all, did I lose all that clout, lose all that influence? He says, I gave it up willingly. I chose Jesus to let go of everything. And can I tell you something? To be with Christ, you have to be willing to let go of something. To have a relationship with Jesus, you've got to be willing to let go of something. It's always said that if you want to receive something, you've got to let go of what's in your hands. And a lot of times we want to hold on to whatever we're holding on to and still have a relationship with the Lord, not knowing that that very thing is a thing that's distracting us from our relationship with the Lord. Listen, your faith walk will always lead you to a fork in the road. I, it's happened to me. If this has happened to you, go ahead and raise your hand. If, if you feel this testimony, your faith walk is always going to lead you to a fork in the road. You're always going to have to give up something to gain Christ. And that's a good thing because what he's saying here, he says, listen, I, I gave it all up and I gained Jesus and I'm satisfied. I count it all as loss. I count it all as trash. See, you can have whatever you want. But sometimes that thing that you want most is the one thing that's detracting away from a relationship that leads to life in Christ Jesus. That's why I love that word. It says you can have all this world, but just give me Jesus. The person who wrote that song made a recognition that Jesus is more valuable than anything that they can gain in the world. I, I think about my own life. Man, I used to party in college. I was a party animal. We used to throw the best parties. We used to hang out at the best parties. And we were live. I don't even know if they use that word anymore. But we were, we were hype. We were, we, we were in it. And we were where the party was. And I had to make a, make a decision. In fact, in this very building that we're in, I used to party in here. And I had to make a decision when I chose Jesus. Do I want to keep the party lifestyle? that was leading me into a lot of debauchery or did I want to experience the fullness of life that came from Jesus Christ? See, I was involved in all types of, uh, of, of, of sexual immorality. I was sleeping around. I would go from girl to girl 
woman to woman. And the reality is, I thought it was great at that moment. I thought I was a stud. I thought I was doing it. I, I thought I was, I, I was popular in that realm. But when it came to a relationship with Jesus, Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're sleeping around, you can't be in relationship with me. Listen, I need you to be a one woman man. I need you to make a decision. Do you want to follow the ways of the world, uh, follow a world that says uh, the sexual revolution, that it's important for a guy to sleep with as many women as as he can, that it's important for a guy to show how much sexual prowess prowess that, that he has? Or do you want to experience Real life transformation that's going to lead to life and wholeness. Can I tell you, I had to give up hate and unforgiveness. I was carrying a lot of bitterness in my heart. I was carrying a lot of pain. I was carrying a lot of anger. And God says, listen, if you want a relationship with me through Jesus Christ, you are going to have to forgive like I forgive because you were stuck in your sin, because you had turned your back on me, because you were so deep in your debauchery. I decided to send Jesus Christ even before you had turned your heart to follow me, even before you knew that there was something wrong. I sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. I forgave you. So why can't you forgive everybody else? See, every level of our faith reveals a new devil that we need to get rid of in our life. And for some of us listening to this, God is putting us at a crossroad even right now. And he's saying, I need you to make a decision. It's not Jesus and your career. It's not Jesus and that person you're sleeping with. It's not Jesus and chasing money. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you decide to make a decision for Jesus, you will realize that everything that you held so dear, you will count it all as rubbish because Jesus is greater than you fill in the blank. Maybe you need to make a note of it. Maybe that's what you need to take from this message today. Jesus is greater than that thing. And if you make a decision to follow Jesus, he will show you just how good he is, just how holy he is, just how full and rich your life will become. See, I gave it all up. I gave all those things up to follow Jesus. It's interesting. When I was younger, I had this this shrine to my favorite rapper. That's what I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it a shrine. That's what it was to my favorite rapper Nas. Nas is still my favorite rapper today. I still think that that, that Nas is the GOAT MC, greatest of all time. Nas is, Nas is one of my favorite rappers. In fact, at Christmas time, he released a new album. And I know some religious person out there is judging me right now like, pastors shouldn't listen to Nas. Uh, maybe we shouldn't. Pray for me. The Lord is still working on my heart. But I wanted to know him. I wanted to be like Nas. I wanted to look like Nas. In fact, when I would dress and go outside and I would change the way I talked. And when people would say, man, you sound a lot like Nas, I would feel really good about myself. Can I tell you, this is what Paul is writing here. He says, listen, I wanted to become like Jesus. I gave it all up. I gave up trying to live a life for myself so that I can know him. In fact, it says this in verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by 
any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is like, man, listen, I want to be so much like Jesus. I want to experience his death. And that's really weird reading that. Listen, I really love Nas, but I didn't want to experience the trauma that Nas experienced. I didn't want to experience any beef that he had with another rapper that may have put him in crazy situations. I didn't want the problems in his life. I wanted the good things in his life. And Paul recognizes, he was like, man, the, one of the most valuable things about Jesus Christ's life is when he gave up his life for you and I. And he says, man, I wanted to experience everything like him, becoming like him in his death. I know my wife is West Indian and they've got this saying when something really catches you off guard, it says, but wait. And I remember reading this the first time and I was like, man, I can get with knowing Jesus. I can get with giving up everything. Then he says, I want to experience everything even in his death. I was like, but wait, I mean, I want to do that. Sorry, that was my my fake island accent. Sorry for every island person who's watching this who was offended by that. Uh, But I'm like, Paul was so enthralled with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He was so fascinated by who Christ was. His life was so transformed. He experienced something so supernatural, so new that he says, man, I want to even experience Christ in his death. But he says something that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says, man, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I know in this life, if I live for myself, when I die, that's it. I've got hell to look forward to. I've got a a life of burden to look forward to. I've got eternity to look forward to uh, away from Jesus Christ. But when I turn and I follow Jesus Christ and I die to myself and I die to my sins and I die to my selfish desires and I die to those things that separate me from God, I, I am resurrected to new life. I'm resurrected to experience a life that I've never experienced before. In fact, Paul says in scripture, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me and the life that I now live is, lo- is lived through Jesus Christ himself who gave his life for me. He says, man, it's not even me living anymore. My life has been impacted by Jesus so much that that he has totally apprehended and taken control of my life in such a supernatural way that I'm living with resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's living inside of me. Now I get to live a supernatural life because I serve a supernatural Christ who died a supernatural death and resurrected in a supernatural way for me. I get to have a piece of that. I get to share in that. It says here in Romans 6, 3, and this is Paul who's writing this. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? When we go into the water and are baptized after we make a decision to follow Jesus, in that moment, we are baptized into the death. We're declaring 
everything that I was, everything that I held dear, everything that I thought was important to me is no longer important because now when I get up from the water, when I resurrect out of the watery grave, as the old preachers used to say, I have a new life. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We get to have a piece of that. He goes on in verse 12. And this is so interesting because he's just been talking about being resurrected from the dead. He's like, I, I, I want to feel the resurrection. I want to experience the resurrection. But he says something so interesting here. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. He says, listen, yes, I've been resurrected with Christ, but I'm still on this journey. And can I tell you, if you're a Christian, you're still on the journey. You still may make mistakes. You still will make mistakes. You still will fall off the wagon every now and then. But he says this, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. He says, Christ's resurrection, I want to make it my resurrection. I'm holding on to it. He says, I press on to make it my own. I want to live a life that's full. I want to live a life that's whole. I want to live a life that's holy, like Jesus is holy. He says, because Christ, Jesus, has made me his own. He says, listen, Jesus Christ chose me. Jesus Christ has covered my life. He goes on, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I don't consider that I've made it to the finish line yet. I'm still on a journey. And we see this incredible evidence of humility. And can I tell you, as a believer, humility will go a long way. Uh, well, we, we can't walk around with this pride and think just because we believe in Jesus and we've been saved from our sins and we have eternity with Jesus Christ to look forward to and that our life is transformed here, that we are better than the next person. For the person who is maybe not walking the same life that we are, maybe they're still strung out on drugs, maybe they're still sleeping around, maybe they're still partying, that does not make you better than them. Because guess what? You have not attained the fullness of what Christ wants to give you. You are growing in it and you've got to press forward to it. There's got to be humility there to recognize that I am still a work in progress. He says, but I am pressing on. I'm striving. I'm working at it. Why? Because Christ has made me his own. Christ has made me his own. My life is under new management. Why do I get to strive? Why do I get to press forward? Because I don't have to do it in my own power. There's another scripture that says that it is Christ who works within you to will and to do his good pleasure. I'm not in control of my life anymore. I'm under new management. I'm not trying to do this life in my own strength. I'm under new management. He's like, Jesus chose me. And can I tell you right now that faith is a gift. Scripture tells us in Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift so that no one can boast. None of us can say, man, I did this by myself. You know, it's so funny. It's like I hear people all the time. I remember when I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you because in reality, you weren't looking for Jesus. 
Our arrogant life tells us we are better than Jesus, that we can be the God of our own lives. And Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Christ made you his own. This is your present state as a believer. When you say yes to Jesus, you recognize I am not where I used to be. The thoughts that I wanted, the desires that I had, they are no longer inside of me. I am now made new. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. You don't have to call me by the name that you used to know me. You can forget about the mess that I did in the past because now I have a new name and it's called son of God, daughter of God of God, brother and sister of Jesus Christ. This is my present. I am safe and secure in the hands of Jesus. He goes on in verse 13, the second part, it says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, listen, I'm forgetting the past. The things that I used to do, I've let it go. I'm striving towards what's ahead. And some of you guys right now need to forget about the past mistakes, the mistakes of 2021, the mistakes of 2020, the mistakes of your life. You may have screwed up bad. You may have dropped the ball really bad. But can I tell you, God does not hold that against you. When you are held by Jesus, when he has made you his own, God wipes your slate clean. He says, forget the past. Look like how far you've come. You are a new person. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. He goes on and he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm straining forward. I'm forgetting what lies behind and I'm straining forward. Straining forward is to reach forward. Then he says he presses forward towards the call, to the upward call. He presses forward. This gives us the, the imagery of running swiftly. Have you ever been running so fast, like so vigorously, like you're running away from something or you're running towards something? Maybe uh, there's a finish line. Maybe you should run track and, and you're on that final stretch and man, you give it your all. You give it all and you don't care who, you're not looking left, you're not looking right. You're just looking at the goal. He's like, man, that's what I'm, that's how I'm pressing forward to the upward call in God. To have my relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm straining forward to it. But I love this definition of pressing forward. It says pursuing safety in a hostile manner. You know, have you ever been reaching for something so hard that you don't care what you run over, what you bump into, what you get scraped. I remember when I was young, there was something that I was running towards and there was a group of us running. And I remember hitting this, this, this bike lock thing where we would put all of our bikes. And I remember cutting my leg and I didn't even think about it because I wanted the thing that I was running towards. Have you ever chased a dream so relentlessly? Have you ever chased a vision so vigorously? That you didn't care what got in your way, that you were going to go forward, that you were going to stress strain forward because you knew that God had it for you. Have you ever had a desire that was so deep that caused you to run after it with all of your will? Can I tell you, most of us fall off when the resistance comes. Most of us stop as soon as we feel a little bit of resistance. Can I tell you, resistance does not always mean redirection. 
When you feel resisted in that pursuit of your goal, when you feel resistant in that pursuit of that vision or dream, it doesn't always mean redirection. Sometimes resistance might be calling for resilience and rededication. Can I tell you, when we wanted to get into this building, there was resistance after resistance after resistance, but that told me that I needed to have a level of resilience, that I needed to muster up all the energy that I had, that I needed to call down heaven and say, God, what is for me is not, it's going to be for me. And what is not for me is not going to be for me. So if you've got a plan ahead for me, I'm going to charge forward. I don't care what steps in my way. I'm going to be resilient. Give me power. Give me grace. Give me a desire. And it's a rededication. There's a rededication needed when, when, when all things felt like they were falling apart before we got into our new property, 2809, 2809 South 11th Street. There was a moment where I had to rededicate my commitment to what God had called me towards. Can I tell you, resistance does not always mean redirection. Resistance sometimes calls for you to muster up that resilience and muster up that rededication so that you can commit and pursue the vision that God has placed over your life. And that's what he's saying here. He says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. What's that call? The upward call of God in Jesus Christ, to know Christ and be satisfied in Jesus Christ. See, the upward call, it's ever beckoning, it's ever beckoning us forward. See, the upward call in Jesus Christ is something that we're always striving towards. We're always growing into. And as soon as we feel like we've got there, God says, come on, I've got more for you. Every time you think you've arrived, God says, man, come on, I've got more for you. Every time you think, man, I think I've made it now, God says, man, I've got more for you because his mercies are new every morning. With Jesus, there's always more. There's more blessing. There's more fruit. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more love. There's more satisfaction. There's more revelation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. With Jesus, with God, there is more. And he says, I'm pressing. I'm pressing towards it. Can I tell you that's the future that we all get to look forward to? A future of a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so powerful, that is so mind-blowing, one that calls us deeper and, and stronger and, and calls us upward into the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The future is the fullness of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you and I. That's where satisfaction lies. That's our future. That's what we get to look forward to. He goes on and we close out in verse 15. It says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Can I tell you, Christian maturity is recognizing that the greatest prize of life is Jesus Christ. I'll say it again for the people in the back. You may not have heard it. You may have tuned out. Maybe you were taking a note. Maybe you were grabbing a drink. I want to say it again. Christian maturity is in the recognition that the prize of life is Jesus Christ. Not money, 
not possessions, not clout, not greater influence. It's Jesus. Jesus is the prize of life. And he says, listen, if you think otherwise, keep straining forward. God will reveal it. See, that's why I don't get mad when people aren't growing in their Christian walk as fast as maybe I've grown or, or somebody else has grown. We've got to keep working. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep inviting people to press forward. Do you know why? Because God will reveal it in due time. He says, man, just keep striving. Listen, you may not be at this point of maturity yet, but can I tell you, if you keep following Jesus Christ, if you keep pressing, if you keep striving, God will reveal it to you. See, the greatest show of patience and trust in God is knowing that anything that you stand in need of, God will reveal it to you in due time. Any knowledge, any resource, any connection, he will reveal it in due time. He says, only hold true. I love this last statement. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Only hold true to what we've already grasped. Only hold true to your present. Strive, but hold true to what Christ has done for you already. You can't hold what you aren't already in possession of. He's saying you've already received possession of something. What is that possession? That Christ has made me his own. My present is I am safe in the hands of Jesus. My present is Jesus loves me and gave his life for me. My present is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if I believe in him, I will not perish but have everlasting life. Hold on to what you've already attained. Hold on to the salvation and the connection and the promise that God has given you in Jesus Christ. See, true contentment is found in an appreciation and celebration of the present. See, most of us, we stay striving. We see what we want. We see where we were at, where we started from. And we see where we're going and we are uh, striving for that thing. And there's this gap between where we were and where we want to be. And, and we focus our lives on the gap. We focus our lives on what we don't have. We focus our lives on what we, we don't have achieved yet, what we haven't gained yet, the money, the resources, the responsibilities, the influence that we haven't received yet. We keep striving, but we totally forget that there's a present there. There's a space where Christ has already allowed us to apprehend. There's a space where, where we once were and where we are now, that we've already grown, that there's new lessons, that there's new uh, information that we've received. And God is telling us through Paul and in the scripture, he says, I need you to focus on what you've gained, not what you have yet to receive. Yes, strive, but celebrate the accomplishment of where you are. Yes, strive, press forward, but don't forget what God has done for you already. True contentment is found in an appreciation and a celebration of the present. So let me ask you, where is your focus? Is your focus on the gap or the gain? Are you focused on what you still have yet to receive or have you focused your Attention on what you've already received. True contentment is found in the gain. The present is where you'll find the gain. 
Paul tells us, he says, Christ has made me his own. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I've already attained the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And if I want to find contentment, I've got to focus. I've got to focus on what I have attained. I've got to focus on Jesus. I've got to focus on what he's done for me. I've got to focus on where I am today. So three ways to focus on the gain as we close out this text. Three ways. Take a trip down memory lane. Maybe it's time for you to think about the past. Think about what your life was like. Think about what mindsets you had. The things that you thought were important. First thing, if you want to learn to focus on the gain and experience true contentment, think back, take a trip down memory lane. This is where I was. And then number two, take an inventory of where you are currently. What new mindsets have you adopted? What have you been able to overcome? What have you been able to to grow through? What things uh, have you been able to, 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 what hurdles have you been able to climb and, and come over? What new knowledge have you gained? What resources are at your disposal? If you want to learn what true contentment is, if you want to learn how to put your mind under new management, you've got to change your focus. Number one, take a trip down memory lane. Where, where did you come from? Number two, take an inventory of where you are currently. Celebrate what God is doing. And number three, take a trip into the future. What are your dreams? What are you pursuing? What are you after? What do you want to see? Where is God taking you? What are your hopes? What are your wishes? Pull out a vision board. It's the beginning of the year. Begin to put out your vision board. What do I want to see? God, where am I expecting you to lead me this year? What are my desires? What do I want? If you want to focus on the gain, three things. Take a trip down memory lane. Take an inventory of where you are currently. Take a trip into the future. And finally, the most important of all, glorify God that you are not where you were and that you still have a vision for the future. Listen, you've got a lot to celebrate if you still have a dream in your heart. You have a lot to celebrate if you still have hopes in your mind. If you still have desires and vision, you've got a lot to celebrate. You don't have to celebrate only where God has brought you, but you can also celebrate where God has taken you. You can strive, you can press, but only don't forget Hold on to where you have already been brought and what you've attained. So where is your focus? See, when you focus on the present, you will celebrate the gains and have joy and energy to dream into a bright future. See, if your future doesn't have Jesus Christ at the center, though, then you've lost this whole message. That you, 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 you don't understand where we've been going. Can I tell you, a future without Jesus is like a kite with no wind. It sits lifeless and eventually useless. See, whatever you're striving towards, is Jesus your goal? Is Jesus your focus? Is Jesus your prize? 
See, Christian maturity is the recognition that the prize of life is Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the full. To know Jesus and be known by Jesus is life's greatest reward. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want to focus my eyes on Jesus. In fact, scripture, there's, there's a song, that scripture, it feels like scripture because it's just been revered all these years. There's a beautiful hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look forth into his wonderful face. And these things of this earth, these worries, these stresses, these anxieties will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Where's your focus? Let's pray. God, I thank you for giving us your word to remind us to refocus our eyes on Jesus, the prize of life. God, I pray that you may begin to reveal who Jesus Christ is in our lives as we've been going over these 21 days reading the book of John, as we've been getting a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is, Lord, I pray that we will begin to celebrate the person, the work of Jesus Christ and everything that he's done in our life, the glory and the majesty of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And to know that this Jesus chooses us. He wants us, that he gave his life up for us. And because of that, we get to be in fellowship with you. We get to have the fullness of the glory of God dwelling inside of our lives, giving us the power to strain and press forward to the prize and the mark of the upward call in Jesus Christ. Focus our energy, focus our thoughts, Focus our eyes on Jesus. It is in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.